Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize seize the the faith. faith. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, the problem we have with this verse, which we acknowledge is true, is that ultimately when we make election decisions, we're talking about people. And there's something that we know about people. Welcome to episode 90 of the Carpe Fide podcast. And I can assure you that here in the 90s, this episode's going to be... All that and a bag of chips. Boom! There's the catchphrase for the 90s in the episodes. between your molars. So just get ready for 10 more weeks of that catchphrase. 10 more Fridays. It's going to take us all the way through Christmas, man. Gee willikas. Oh, man. Christmas. (laughs) Yes, it's coming. Winter, as the, as they say on that show, winter is coming. As the show said once. <clears throat> yes, the show. All right. <laughs> the title <That> jinx. <laughs> the title for the episode tonight is "Mid Turmoil Elections" and a real take, a real take on the midterm elections. Get what you did there? Mid turmoil elections. Yeah, I should have read the title. We don't have to say a real take. That's what we're doing. We're doing the real take. A real take. Say, well, it's like I didn't know how to quantify it. Oh, I'm I gonna just, go milk the black and white spotted cow today. Like, well, but I mean, like, so many people have hot takes, and I feel like there needs to be some temperance. And I feel like a lot of people are just confused. Just gonna give a cool take. Well, they're just confused and frustrated and annoyed, and things that were supposed to happen didn't happen, and and. I mean, shoot, we only have 75% of the vote counted in Arizona as of this moment. As of the recording of this podcast, hopefully, Still by, the time names. You, hopefully, by, hopefully by the time you hear this, <laughs> Arizona will have actually given us some sort of an election result did in you, some sort of final form. Did you hear that they literally not elected a dead person in Pennsylvania? Was that in Pennsylvania? Yeah, but that's, he was alive when he was running. He was just so old, he died. Yeah, he was like their <laughs> longest serving senator. And then, oh, he didn't make it. That man reelected in Pennsylvania. I'm just saying he won again, right? So he gets. Uh, what, does his corpse get to select two more years? <laughs> two his, more years. Does his corpse get to select his his successor? Like, do they like throw up like an Uma Thurman and then and then he gets to select, <laughs> throw it at the body and see which one lands? Oh yeah, he died last month. That's terrible. Is, yeah. that, is that because of early voting? Like, did they? No, I I think it's because he ran a campaign because he was in and he was the incumbent. People just then, didn't know he died or. No, it oh, was just an oversight or like, is this like a what do you do? Oh, he's dead now. Well, you can't elect him. He's dead. You now. have to run a real you have to do a, a new election, but you can't stop the election midway through the election. Yes. Early voting had definitely taken place. Absolutely. It had definitely taken place. <laughs> Jesse's reading something. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're going to talk about the midterm elections before we get there. I think it's important for us to open up with some verses that kind of help us need to help us govern uh, <laughs> govern <laughs> how we consider elections as Christians two very simple <laughs> verses that are connected in their content the first verse is Proverbs 14 verse 34 you've probably heard this before and here's what the verse says righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Now, the problem we have with this verse, which we acknowledge is true, is that ultimately when we make election decisions, we're talking about people. And there's something that we know about people. 
Paul will quote quotes this section of Psalm 14 in Romans. This section of Psalm 14 is verses one through three, which says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Verse two, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. This is the there is none righteous quotation that Paul has in Romans. When we look at these two verses together, we understand that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin uh, is a reproach to any people, but we're electing people, which we know of which there is none righteous. And so what we have to understand is going into elections, we're ultimately making decisions about the policies at which are at bay for the nation that is electing its representatives and leaders. Their principles are what we actually have to evaluate when it comes to understanding that righteousness exalts a nation. Because we know that whoever we put into office is ultimately a person, a person that is sinful and therefore is unrighteous. The question is, which of these people will be enacting policies, even though they are sinful, that have the most to do with God's standard of righteousness? This always comes down to God's standard of righteousness. And that's the decision that, that a Christian has to make when they walk into an election booth or election room or a place where polling station <laughs> or a place where election machines aren't working. And they tell you, just write, just write your name down here on this paper and we'll eventually get to you. Someone will count it eventually. <laughs> eventually we maybe. promise. We think maybe <laughs> wink, wink, <laughs> or maybe, you know, maybe you just leave the keys on top of the voting, uh, you know, uh, drop in ballot thing. Yeah, that, that, may be, uh, that may have been a thing that happened in uh, Philadelphia. 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 Um, go birds. <laughs> Woo, still rooting for them. That's right. Eight no, baby. That's right. Let's go undefeated, baby. Let's show the NFL what for. <laughs> when it comes to these midterms, um, we can't forget uh, that ultimately when we elect someone, as a Christian, we want to elect someone whose standards will uphold righteousness. Now, this is not how we feel righteousness is. This is God's standard of righteousness. So who is going to put into place practices that will most align with the standard of righteousness that God has given? Because as we know from Romans 13, the responsibility of the government is to uphold righteousness and punish unrighteousness or wickedness. A lot went into these midterm elections. A lot of the polls that were coming out had such strong Republican... All of the polls. <laughs> there wasn't a poll that got this one right, baby. It turns out, just like every election over the past 10 years, these polls are completely wrong and useless. <laughs> it's kind of like whose line is it anyway, where the points are made up and the score doesn't matter. <laughs> these polls are made up and the uh, score... <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a sticker if I ever did see one. Oh, man. Let's get on it. U.S. elections... Where the votes are made up. Or the poll. <laughs> Election polls, where the results are made up, and the numbers don't matter. All right. Oh, the midterm was supposed to be a red wave. Nay, a red tsunami. Waves of red. Now, this is important. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. In, in America, the party colors are reversed. So the Democratic candidates or the progressive candidates are are. Per, are or not purple, <laughs> they're blue. And the conservative or Republican candidates often are, are red. So that's the difference in the colors. We, we flip them. So when we're talking about a red tsunami, it's supposed to be a, a Republican tsunami, a, a conservative tsunami. The candidates that were supposed to be elected in droves were Republicans. And this had many factors going into it. Uh, what, we, what we experienced at the polls was the fact that they had been so off on the polls over the past 
eight years that they felt they were understampling because of the Russians. <laughs> yes, it's all the Russians' fault. They they felt they were understampling Republican um, voters, understampling conservative voters. So they tried to make adjustments in the poll numbers. Now, what it seems is is a combination of two things. One, the candidates that Republicans ran in many races were not the best candidates, and two, people on those polls wanted to vote Republican. And so they answered Republican because they're very dissatisfied with the way things are going. However, when it came down to it and looking at the nominees, they decided that they couldn't vote for whatever the Republican candidate was because of whatever they had heard. And so what we ended up with <laughs> was a red trickle. <laughs> it's a little... Such a shameful thing to say. Like a very quiet, babbling brook that you sit wistfully by and you know it's not carrying a large amount of water. You're not scared of this tsunami. In fact, you feel almost peaceful. It's so, it's not doing anything. It's just barely rolling, you know? Think of the Hundred Acre Woods and Winnie the Pooh. It's that, that little brook. No, I think a trickle is worse than a brook. Oh, it's even worse. Trickle is like, nah, never mind, I can't say that. Yeah, so it's just like love. a leaky faucet. We'll yeah, leaky go with faucet, that. there we go, there we go. Uh, uh, and so a lot of people are disgruntled. They're very upset. Uh, they thought that we were going to have some sort of conservative governance and, and that that was going to be a big effect because of, like, you look around and you're like, oh, geez, gas is ridiculously expensive. I'm about to have to heat my home. Oh, geez, uh, meat's disappearing and also very expensive. What do we do? Uh, oh, geez, I can't buy cereal this month because I have to also pay my electric bill. <laughs> it's like uh, decisions, right, yeah. decisions that are, are you have to make. And, and um, <laughs> so you just you just assumed that there was going to be some sort of change in governance. One of the things that we can use to evaluate what was important in an election is exit polls. So they'll create <laughs> questions um, and they will ask people as they're exiting their polls usually in very populous areas, because when you're gonna do these polls, you want as many results as possible, the largest sample size. And they'll just ask, ask people general questions. Two very interesting things that happened during the red trickle is on the exit polls, we still had numbers that would have you would have thought would have led towards a, a much more conservative selection at the ballot box. For example, uh, the exit polls, indicated that 75% of people said that the economy is either not good or poor. That's three quarters of the people surveyed in exit polls decided the economy was not good or poor. Was was not good or poor? Not good or poor. So either so not, like good or wor- not good or worse. No, not good or worse. Like, it's, oh, the economy, how do you think? It's not good or worse <laughs> or horrible or oh, poor oh, or oh. unacceptable. Um. And, and similarly, you had 70%, that's 7 out of 10 people, said that they were disfat, dissatisfied with the direction of the country. 7 out of 10 people dissatisfied with the direction of the country. And so the mind-bending the, the, the mind reality of people that are answering this way is to look and say, all right, who's running the country? Who's in charge of the economy? <laughs> the answer was, well... We have, a, we have a Democratic majority in our Senate. We have a Democratic majority in the House. And we have a Democratic leader of the executive branch in the president. That means, clearly, it's the Democrats' problem. <laughs> the Democratic policies have led us to the point we're in. However, 
we got a red trickle. And in, in a races where we were supposed to pick up 20 to 30 seats in the house, we are going to be lucky to pick up about 10 and and take the house in a majority. The the Republicans will take, pick up about 10 at least and, and hopefully get the majority in the house. The Senate, which we're hoping to pick up four seats, they may pick up two, maybe. Like we may be at a 50, they may get a 51 seat majority in the Senate, but it's really close. Nothing materialized the way they were hoping it would materialize. So we have to do some sort of post-mortem. And the reality is, should we be depressed? And I've been shocking people that I've been talking to and saying, I'm not depressed at all. And, and it goes to even more that sovereignty than, than I believe in a sovereign God. And so I rest, I, I sleep like a Calvinist, you know, it's no problem there. Um, I, I, I know who holds my future and I know how the story ends. It's more than that. I actually think that what happened in the elections was about as good as it could go for people who prefer to have uh, a righteousness exalting a nation, for people who prefer to have a, a governance that is conservative. So I want to give some encouragement tonight um, on a take that I think is, is based well um, in, in reality. This comes down to what we constantly are quoting, Jesse, which is First Chronicles twelve thirty two. Do you know what First Chronicles twelve thirty two is, Jesse? Yes. What is it? It's the men of Issachar. Ah, oh, the men of Issachar. And and what did the men of Issachar do that was so special? Could they like throw big spears, or did they carry long swords, or could they shoot bows and arrows? I mean, they probably could do a lot of those things. I would imagine. And yet that's not what the Bible says they were, they were important for. Oh, oh, you mean, you mean that <laughs> first Chronicles twelve thirty two says of the sons of Issachar, men who knew how to discern the times to know what Israel should do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their relatives were at their command. So the men of Issachar coming to David's aid were men who understood the times and knew what the people of God should do. And I think we need to apply that when we're looking at something like this that can cause concern. The direction of the country is going horribly. Terrible. The, people aren't, aren't recognizing the, what they need to do. They're, they're still putting people in that want to exalt unrighteousness. They want to bring a reproach on the nation, as sin does in Proverbs fourteen thirty four. I think we can actually take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize that God is sovereign. And also... There, there is some really good things that come out of this election. Now, there's also some really horrible things that came out of this election. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, towards the end here. But you have to ask yourself, let's say the red tsunami happened. The question becomes, what would have happened if they had gotten 10 more seats in the House than the majority? They gotten, Let's say they got 200 and... and 25 to 235 seats in the house. What would have happened if they had gotten 54 to 56 Senate seats? What would have, what would they have done? What do you think, Jesse? What could they have done? I mean, they could have basically stopped all any legislative agenda from the democratic side. Yeah. They could have had some more control over a, the, the democratic's, the Dem Democ Democrats' goals, yeah. J Joe Biden's plans are, well, they're not Joe Biden's plans. <laughs> His plans mostly revolve around eating oatmeal and watching Matlock. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think, 
they're necessarily his plans. But the plans of the Democratic Party, they would have been able to slow him down. But with a majority in the House, they'll be able to slow him down, right? Uh, I mean, this is where you're more optimistic than I am. But yes, theoretically, yeah, they should be able, able to. Slow that. And and also, just like our last midterm, our last elections, the control of the Senate actually comes down to a runoff vote in Georgia between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. So they could even still technically get a fifty-one seat majority in the Senate, both of which would do wonders to slow down uh, the movements of the Democratic machine. What I'm trying to say here is that I don't think there's that much difference that would have happened between a, a crushing win and a, and a trickle, a tsunami and a trickle in, in this, as far as its actual um, outcomes, its, its results. If the results aren't really that different, then what did this really mean? I think it means several things. One is that when people look at the next election, the state of the country will not is not going to improve. Unfortunately, if the policies of spending uh, do not cease and if the rates of interest are not raised dramatically, inflation will continue to rise goods and services, the cost of which will continue to rise. Jobs will begin to shrink as we do enter a recession and people no longer, or people are not going to have to consider, companies are going to have to consider laying people off. And so we're going to come into a time where things will get more difficult. And by not overwhelmingly winning anything, people can still point to the reality that they still voted for Democrats. They still, they didn't put all their eggs into the Republican basket in which case it still would have been hard to get anything done that actually would have helped the country. So people can still point and say, well, we didn't really elect any Republicans. The Democrats still didn't do anything. <laughs> it still was garbage. At the end of the day, we still have to remember that three quarters of the population thinks the economy is poor. And seven out of 10 people are dissatisfied with the direction of the country. That number is not going to decrease over time, over the next two years. And what's really important is that the next election is not just a midterm election. It also includes the executive branch. The president will be elected next election. And this has the other effect of solidifying the Democrats who are taking away, at least as far as Joe Biden's speech yesterday went, they're taking away the fact that, oh, no, we should continue with our plans. Our plans are great. I'm not changing anything. That was, also, that was pretty fun. It was great. Are you going like, to change anything? No. No. Why would I change anything? No. We we because we haven't finished our plan. We yet. haven't even had any time yet. We haven't had time to see how great it's going to be. <laughs> it's like, uh, <clears throat> sir, we see everything, and it's look it's horrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, Can ga we? Gas was back up to four dollars. I don't have you noticed that. Yes. Gas is back up. It's starting that increase again. Yeah. Well, it's going to get much worse uh, for people trying to heat their homes this winter. It's it's not going down. Um, Everybody has any wood stoves they'd like to send over. Anybody wood stoves? I'll take one of those. Forget the wood stoves. I'm just gonna start burning wood on my floor. <laughs> I have a I have a really nice solo stove. I'm just gonna bring it into the house. Yes, I've installed a center hearth. It is just uh, put some stone on the carpet and <laughs> instead of it, the embers stay contained. Instead of a flue like a chimney, I've just installed like an exhaust vent over top of it. Like an oven hood. Right, yeah, an oven hood. That's yeah. all you need really. It's similar. It's it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. 
That's yeah, the same. It's still, it still sucks and evacuates. So this we have work. we have people that will continue to be dissatisfied with the direction of the country because nothing's going to be able to dramatically change. We have well, the thing is that, that are, it, in that seventy percent number, you have Democrats and Republicans both dissatisfied, but both dissatisfied for different reasons. That's with the economy. You know what I mean? No, in, in terms of the in terms of the in terms of the direction that the country's going, that statistic. In terms of the economy, I feel like you can really only point one way because you have to point to the party in power. But Democrats are dissatisfied with the country because of Republicans, and Republicans are dissatisfied with the direction of the country because of Democrats. Well, I mean, so I guess both maybe, parties are in that seventy percent. I don't think that's how anybody thinks about the direction of the country. Because when you say direction of the country, you think of where the country's going. But okay. I don't know. I don't know if I buy I mean, that. I've, I've heard I lots of political commentators talk about this. and I understand what you're saying. That's but the take, is that they're both dissatisfied with the direction of the country for different reasons. Upon further polling. Oh, no. I mean, to be sure, that could be the take. However, even in these votes, most of the people that poll, that, that had these negative views still, still, according to their exit poll, voted Republican. Although they could have also not been telling the truth there. <laughs> so... <laughs> It does seem that it, the answer to the question did dictate what, who, at least who they were leaning towards in their voting. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. You can't get around the economy, though. We can't. There's no way to get around that. I would think that you can't get around it, but boy, people still voted Democrat. Yeah, no, that's true. Which is well, why I'm still we'll, not we'll super to, optimistic. Yeah, about but this. we got to get. We got to get to that. You got to think about that, though. So we know the policies aren't going to be changing. Policies are going forward. We're going to keep. Apparently spending, probably giving As lots of money, president-elect. probably giving lots of money to foreign countries, probably cozying up to terrorists and socialists, you know, all say. that great stuff. Well, unless and until China invades Taiwan, and then we got some serious, some, some more serious expenditures going on there. <laughs> yeah, but the only people that we know of that are actually, that it would actually stand with Taiwan is Joe Biden. And since he's not actually running the country, <laughs> we're just going <laughs> to give Taiwan to China. Uh, oh, but true story. I think the other big takeaway is that um, probably can't find Taiwan on a map. That's for sure. And this is probably not the most popular. <laughs> oh, it's right over there near China. <laughs> they all look the same. Uh, well, they do. I mean, it's like just like Irishmen and, and like like Italians and like you know like. I thought you meant the shape of the country. English. No, shape of the country. No, China is like way China. bigger. No, China is way bigger. Ginormous. Regardless, let's move forward. The other thing that we know is that uh, the name recognition of of the Don did not actually carry people over the line in their victories to vote, um, to, to win their bids. Is anyone shocked at this? No, I don't think anyone is, except... Maybe Trump himself. Yeah, but he wasn't shocked by it. He actually saw it as a giant win. <laughs> I believe in the interview he actually said, well, you, have to, you could do his voice better, but he basically said that um, if, uh, if his candidates, if his preferred candidates didn't win... That he should not be blamed, and if they did win, he should definitely get all the credit. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, which is exactly what you'd expect the Trump to to say. Um, but what this what this does kind of show is that there's there's definitely I think a, a growing malaise uh, to um, Trump and and Trump's biggest platform for running in 2024 is basically that uh, I had the election stolen in 2020, and that's that's really not like a it's like a winning platform. <laughs> People are like, yes, we'll elect you because you lost once. That, that that's not you. You they they was unfair the way they treated you, and so you're in charge. Um, 
that can two things can be simultaneously true. Uh, yeah, he was treated incredibly poorly in office, and also, um, remember when they impeached him on that made-up document? <laughs> I remember that, and also the phone call. And one time he ordered a Big Mac. You know, they just impeached him on whatever. Is <laughs> that quid pro quo Joe Biden did last week? Remember? Yes. Remember the literal quid pro quo with the actual uh, one with the gas with the oil? Yeah. yeah. No, we all remember that. Yeah, we remember that. <sighs> but regardless, um, it, in showing this, what it means is that yes, I, I think we can all be thankful for the governance that Trump put into place in the country. Uh, there were many good uh, fundamental policies enacted. Um, from Supreme Court justices to lower court justices, um, many reforms on our trade policies, many reforms on our tax policies. There were there were great things, and and we were doing very well as a country. So we can be thankful for that, while simultaneously acknowledging that there is no one who doesn't have a thought already in their mind made up about who Donald Trump is as they go into the election booth. Everybody. What we know is that there's a strong 35% of the people that are Trump supporters, bar, bar none. No holds, there's neither rain nor sleet nor snow of night will stop them from punching the ticket. But then there's 65% of the nation that's like, me, you know, and that's like, that's the best, the best part of that 65%. It's like, me. And then there's a huge part of that 65% that's like, oh, never, never Trump. And since we know that, we have to acknowledge that that's not a great candidate going in. Uh, and it reflected in those that he had supported for their for this midterm election. A lot of the seats that were were, you know, Trump picked um, nominees were in huge Republican strongholds. Those are not hard races to win. The races in purple districts uh, for anything from governorship to rep seats to Senate seats, those did not go well. Uh, they did not go well at all. And so we have to acknowledge that there seems to be a change, a sea change in in this view politically that we can that that can be built off of. And additionally, there was this crazy anomaly about the elections because there was a tsunami that lit, that made landfall in America. There was a red tsunami, but it only made landfall in that state that gets hit with so many hurricanes. And that state would be, which state, Jesse? You know which state it is. Florida. Florida. Florida had a red hurricane. Not like a little bit, like a lot of it. Also, congratulations uh, to, I forget, I can't think of his name right now, the guy that lost to DeSantis, who has now lost uh, lost an election for each in each party. He lost an election as a libertarian, he lost an election as a Democrat, and he lost an election as a Republican. So, I mean, that's a feat in and of itself. Uh, he got crushed. Marco Rubio crushed. They picked up uh, four four uh, House seats in addition. I mean, they, they, they it was huge. So in, in Florida, you have an example of policies enacted that were so effective that people overwhelmingly across... Uh, socioeconomic lines, racial lines, voted for conservative leadership because of the health of their state and the condition of their lives. And there's a model there that can be built off of in the future elections. And I think I think I think we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the next election maybe maybe towards the end. 
But this is this is where I think that there is some room for optimism because there's so much there's so much room for growth. There's positive room for growth ahead. And there's good takeaways. The reality is the good takeaways have to actually be be received. Um, the establishment leadership of of the Republican Party is not great and we can we can move past it. Um, when you're handed this type of this type of malaise to run against the the levels of crime, uh, the economy, the 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 inflation. When you're handed all these things to run to run against, and you can barely win. I mean, we got you got to be able to do better than that. That's not acceptable. That's like, I mean, you're not a weatherman. You don't get to be wrong a third of the time and still keep your job. <laughs> you, you you get you get fired. You get replaced. There's and there's so many takeaways that need to be acknowledged in order to understand. We had a lot of like really weird elections. Pennsylvania, we had we had a, a TV personality against a sloppy stroke victim. I don't know how else to describe. We had we had Mehmet Oz versus good. John Fetterman, and I mean to this day, John Fetterman's giving victory lap speeches, and he can't talk, and it's. This, it's it's so, worse than Biden. It's definitely post-stroke. It's very sad. It is this, sad. You shouldn't let someone. He, he it's cannot not okay. speak. It's not okay that they're allowing him to do that. Oh man, it it is. It's really sad. And we had this weird. It turns out that generic Republican probably could have crushed Fetterman, but we picked a a bad candidate. Mehmet Oz comes with a lot of baggage. And he also eyebrows. He's <laughs> also strongly Way up high on his face. <laughs> strongly attached to, to Donald Trump, and it it didn't work. It's like his face was stuck up, and Fetterman's face stuck down. Yeah. Oh, well, only on one side. Yeah, that's what happens. It's really sad. It, it really was. It's sad to watch. Um, but we, you gotta you have to be able to identify the reality. You have to select candidates that are actually good. People want people want stability in a time of instability when inflation is rising, when they don't know if they can actually purchase groceries, like people want stability and you can't hand, hand out more chaos. People focused on previous election results. People, you can't hand out that kind of chaos. You have to hand out a plan to, for people to move forward. And I think that's clearly what happened in Florida. There was decisive leadership and clear plan. And it made people say, I feel really, really good about, about this person leading this. Um, so there's great takeaways there. I think the biggest opportunity, and we were talking about this today, Jess, you and I, the biggest opportunity that needs to be acknowledged uh, on the behalf of on behalf of Christians everywhere in America is that there is some serious work that needs to be done, and that revolves holistically around the ideas of abortion that our culture has adopted. Um, we were talking about the measures that that were put out there for abortion, and uh, and the results. And and just identifying that it is great. It is great that there were Supreme Court justices that could acknowledge that by the letter of the law, there was no reason for there to be some sort of national decree on a right that didn't exist inside of the Constitution. Uh, that was great. But that meant that they handed over this ability to um, make laws back to the states, to, to local governance. And the shiny ideas, the progressive ideas of these new rights, the new right that you can kill the unborn. And it goes up against the old fuddy-duddy conservative ideas that there's actual morality, that truth is real. And, and, 
And people have been so conditioned to accept that the life in the womb is worthless, meaningless, if it's a life at all. And that is disgusting and makes me think right to Proverbs that that sin is a reproach on the people of that nation. Um, but but here's a here's a little synopsis um, uh, from some work that CBS News did compiling. There were a lot of ballot initiatives in various states to either um, restrict abortion or to actually in some states codify it into those states. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Constitution. To codify it into their actual constitution. <clears throat> so, Jesse, you want to read that synopsis paragraph that I posted in there? <clears throat> sure. It says, abortion rights were directly on the ballot in California, Michigan, Vermont, Kentucky, and Montana, though either proposed amendments to state constitutions or in Montana, legislative referendum. In California, Michigan, and Vermont, voters decided to enshrine abortion rights in their respective state constitutions. The ballot measures in Kentucky and Montana sought to limit abortion access, but CBS News has not projected a final outcome on the referendum in Montana as of Thursday. Kentucky voters rejected their state's ballot initiative to limit abortion rights. And so what we have here, I think, is just the acknowledgement that we have done a bad job changing the hearts and minds of people towards righteousness. Um, People seem to accept that there is a right to kill the unborn as if it's just passe it's just normal it's absolutely mundane um i mean it's 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 actually really shocking that kentucky rejected the state's ballot initiative that limited abortion because kentucky is like red like red red like very very conservative um and and they were unable to get a get a ballot initiative to even limit abortion rights So that's, I mean, that's really dangerous. What we have is there's money being thrown into this sin, into this evil uh, through ads and and support and campaigning that we must preserve the right to kill the unborn. And we need to have a real serious understanding that we're not fighting that national battle anymore. You have to have conversations, boots on the ground. I don't care if you're using social media. I don't care if you're talking to somebody at at your Wawak or your convenience store. I don't care. You have to have those conversations on the ground with people to help people acknowledge that inside the womb is the most, first of all, equitable place in existence on the face of the earth because everyone has been inside of a womb that exists. And, and, And second of all, it's the most uh, needy individual. They can do nothing for themselves, and and we're here. That's why they're a parasite, Justin. <laughs> we're here. We're we're well, yeah. But at the same at the same time, that makes anyone that's needy a parasite, and no one's going to say that. And you just have to find them, just trap them a little bit into this clear thinking that you can't mistreat those that are the most vulnerable in the society. That's why we care for them. That's why, because they are vulnerable. Uh, so there's, th- it did reveal that with all these states either enshrining abortion rights in their own constitutions or, or rejecting ballot measures to limit abortion, there's so much work to be done uh, that, that we, we've given over over the past decades that we have, to get, we have to get right in the mix of it. We have to have these conversations. We have to have weird Facebook conversations. We have to have weird tweets. We have to... It's okay. It's okay to do. And you're like, oh, but I never convince the person. And they just don't understand. Yes, the person that you're talking to doesn't, but there are people reading 
Who are you talking to? You're talking to more than just that person. You must, you must be willing to give the truth in those times because we have got to change people to help them understand what righteousness is or else we can all expect nothing but then, then, then the destruction of, of, of a nation because a sin is a reproach upon those people. And this is, this is probably the biggest, the most key area that, that it was glaring um, in, in, the, in the, different, the different ballot measures that were on on states vote, vote, voting maps across the country. So terrible. Yes, it is, Jess. Thanks for that. Thanks for filling in there. <laughs> no problem. You had a whole bunch of stuff to say about this earlier in the day. <sighs> no, I mean, not really. It's it's all just horrible. I mean, you're a lot more optimistic about this than I am even now. I mean, I don't really have a lot of good things to say about it. Well, then let's talk about the next election because 2024 is coming. DeSantis and... Heck, I would even like to see Tulsi Gabbard on the ballot at this point. <laughs> make her vice president. That'd be fun. Ron DeSantis. That'd be a good make handshake, America, right? Make America Florida. <laughs> it's The campaigns write themselves. They really do. Um, when you put all this together, I really do think we have, there's some really good ground to be made up as far as pushing towards a more conservative, which is to say a more rational, reason, truth-based uh, governance of a country. Um because times are going to get worse. And I think that's that's a big takeaway here. Like you have to really watch your debt, understand your spending, you have to reel in some things, evaluate what you need to sell, what you need to buy, what you need to do to make yourself, um, uh, you know, uh, have that belt strap just a little tighter because times are not going to get easier over the next two years for certain. Um, and in knowing that and making good decisions, you can prepare. So Christian, definitely do that. Make wise decisions. The Bible speaks about wisdom so often, and we just, we toss it up as something the Bible says. No, it, it's going to be integral in being able to provide well for your family through this. Amen. But additionally, beyond that, um, we're going to have a election that has, uh, a candidate for the president on these, this next election in 2024, which means a lot more people will be voting. Um, there's always stronger turnout during a presidential election. And it will be very important because we're going to be running up against policies that were already bad, only that, that are going to get two more years of bad. And you're going to be able to have a stark contrast in someone like Joe Biden, who's emphatically decided he's going to run again. Uh, though I believe 60% of people do not want him to run again, whether Republican or Democrat, uh, they do not, 66%, sorry, do not want him to run again. He is emphatic about running again, and why wouldn't he be? He he just quelled a red tsunami into a red trickle. Um, and so it's going to be more of the same. And so we're going to have a lot of people that are going to be voting with their pocketbooks in 2024. And that's only a good thing uh, for the party that's not that's going to be in quasi power, I guess there's going to be, if, if they have the Senate, they're still definitely in power, but they're not going to be able to get as much done, thankfully. And people are going to be very dissatisfied. I just hope that there's, I really do hope that it's not as bad as it could be as far as financially goes for a lot of people. It's not going to be easy. So churches need to definitely like gird their loins like big time um, and be ready to help the, the people that are in their community because it's, there's going to be a lot of need. That's all. There's going to be a lot of need. <clears throat> Why are you so just sanguine or not sanguine, worse than sanguine? Why are you so 
downcast about this? Um, because people are so terribly dissatisfied, yet they don't have the wherewithal to actually vote for change. And if they didn't in this election, why would they in a future election? doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think we can do, we can probably do good by not running like people like Mehmet Oz. I mean, sure, there were some bad candidates, but I mean, even take those away, like, Florida's like, probably the only place that actually did whatever people thought that they would. Yeah, but when you look but they're at already the, a heavily red state. No, they were a pur- they've been a purple state for 20 yeah, but, years, but not recently. When you look at the percentage of the vote that Donald Trump won this last election, it is way way closer than what DeSantis just did. Like numerically, historically that that's it's not it's not true that Florida's a red state. Okay. Well, either way, they projected that it would be a win, and it was a very clear win. Right. That's the one state they got right. The other thing you have to look right, at but, is... But here's, but here's, like, it, here's why it doesn't make sense, Justin, is because the platforms themselves didn't change. The platforms are still the platforms. The Democrats will run on the Democratic platform. The Republicans will run on the Republican platform. So I, I don't... I just... Like, there's not a Democrat that wants to reverse course on this, on the issues that they're dissatisfied about. Right, but... So it, it doesn't make sense. I think it's people... Living in unrighteousness, having unrighteous worldviews that don't make any sense, just doing whatever their gut tells them to do, which I think is a much deeper seated problem than, you know, actually voting and what makes sense. Okay, so let's pull up the election numbers. And what you'll see is that you have very close elections where there shouldn't be very close elections, which actually says that even if though you I mean, lost, I don't want to argue about this on the podcast. You just no, asked me. It's I'd... important. to. This is you're saying the things that people want answers to. That's why I wanted you to talk. <laughs> Your fear is what people are afraid of. I mean, I don't fear it. It literally just happened. All right. (laughs) Kathy Hochul, how did she do in her election? Uh, I don't know. She won by about five points, which means she she was nearly 18 points down on what uh, her predecessor did. Right. And that's fine and shocking. That is incredibly shocking. You have elections in other places. Like when you look at when you look at the governorship that's still up for grabs in Arizona, you're talking about an election that's separated by 0.6% of the election electorate, 0.6%. You're talking about Pennsylvania, which is, you know, only has Alabama in between the two west and east coast where all the population is, and a horrible candidate only lost by what? 5% of the vote. So you're talking about you're talking about numbers that are actually strongly in the Republicans' favor, which is why the Republican will actually end up having the popular vote once the midterms all said and done. More people were voted Republican than didn't. We're not talking about the elections where Republicans were only won by only won by two percent in twenty twenty, and this time won by ten percent. Because people emphatically went for the Republican more more people voted for them this time. There's numbers that actually show that there's actually a good indicator that the future is much brighter because of this election than it could have been had this been a red tsunami in which we still would have been fighting the executive branch and not had a veto-proof majority in either the House or the Senate. Okay. I just want you to feel happy. I'm not happy. Well, then you're just a, just a Debbie Downer. I mean, I'm not happy about the election. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. I'm just like, 
Jesse's having a lot of sovereignty issues. He's struggling with who God is. I, and I what don't it have all a lot of sovereignty issues. <laughs> I think it makes I think it makes perfect sense with biblical principles. Yeah, no, people are sinful and they do evil things. Right. People are also incredibly greedy, and when things affect their pocketbook, they tend to change their minds. Well, not enough. No, not enough now. But you, you're. It's it's not going to get good. I'll just encourage again churches to be ready to minister to people who are in need, particularly in your congregation. Uh, so that the world sees that we love each other and desire that love. I, I, I just, we have lost that completely. In fact, I think sometimes we don't care for those inside of our church walls and we do a better job caring about people that are not in the church community, but there's, there's an important lesson there. Um, but we do, we do need to be ready to care for those who are hurting and in need because it is coming. It is not going to be great. That's all I got. And you can, uh, if you have more questions for me, feel free to message us on the Carpe Fide. And uh, if you have, uh, if you want to cry with Jesse, you can cry with Jesse as well. And then, uh, you know, either way, you're supported. <laughs> I'm not crying. I'm just it's kidding. just frustrating. Dude, stop. Just relax. I could, if I can't have fun with you on a podcast, gee whiz. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Disgruntled. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the, uh, well, that's the end of the episode tonight. Uh, I really do hope that you can take some positive things away from this. Uh, there is, there is actually truly hope. Um, and there's also always hope because, well, God is sovereign. Uh, definitely get out there. We need to have conversations about abortion because people have been convinced about a lie. And that is absolutely disturbing. Um, and also, uh, know that when we continue, uh, we must, we must be ready to serve those in need and it's coming. So churches need to be ready to serve those in need. Um, and I, and I do, I, th I think, I think there's, uh, there's bright hope, bright hope in the future. And a giant red tsunami will just rain down DeSantis's all across the country. <laughs> Those little DeSantis's. Just call me baby Santa. Just flying down. I am curious. I, I was thinking, you know how, when he, when he sent those, when they sent those, um, immigrants to, um, uh, come on, help me. The fancy place. Martha's Vineyard? That's it, Martha's Vineyard. I was thinking, why didn't they just send them to Canada? Canada has all the social services. You know, just send them up to the border and be like, hey, guys, just just go across here. They have even more social services than we do. I don't know. That's, prob that's probably illegal. Is that too far? I don't know. It's international weird well, you, stuff. You just put them near it, and you say, like, if you go over there. <laughs> say you walked that way. <laughs> if you just happen to go that way. about Follow the sound of the moose. About a half mile, Pretty you'll find even more. sounds. Even a larger social. <laughs> They're so tall. They're so big. I gotta look up a moose sound. Don't look up a moose sound. It's gonna be so awful coming over the sound wave. And they're so they're scary. I don't know how you guys do it they're, with the moose. They're big. They're like massive. And I feel like once they get ahead of steam, that giant antler thing they got, whatever that giant bony protrusion, and just you gone. You just gone. Is this gonna? Uh, Why is this rib ticklers? That doesn't make any sense. Grunting. That's a newborn cat. Searching. Sounds the same. <laughs> Mating season. Oh. oh. Okay. This is enough. <laughs> you did this. This is awful. This has been another episode Crying. of the Carpe. Start it off. Oh, look. You can't. It's not a touch screen. You can't touch it like that. All right. 
This has been another episode of the Carby Fide Podcast. I'm sorry for those last couple of seconds. We do want to direct your attention to head on over to the Fide Fellowship. Um, one of the things we couldn't do is go into topically all these different reasons about how righteousness can exalt a nation and how you should vote. But fortunately, the godly grunts, John Cooper, has done a great job uh, with with all the various issues. The other JC. The other JC. So you can head over to the FIDE <laughs> Fellowship. FIDE Fellowship. That's spelled F-I-D-E Fellowship. <laughs> you can uh, find a link to several great podcasts and great content. So you go to the FIDE Fellowship on the Instagrams, on the... Where else are we? Website. On the website on of FIDEfellowship.com. Yep. Dot com. FIDEfellowship.com. Calm. Yep. So we'd love to get you linked up, linked up with some more great content uh, to ground you in the word thinking as men of Issachar trying to understand the times and then knowing what the people of God should do. do. Well, Jess, I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else? That's all we got. News and notes from around the world. Oh, pray for us. Pray for us as we travel to Canada. We will be traveling to Canada this coming week. We leave Wednesday morning, and we stop by to say hi to John Cooper in Niagara before we cross the border um, and drive on over, make a little jaunt over to uh, the Waterloo. And we intend on stirring up so much trouble that we may not be allowed to leave. I don't know. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be... Doubly raucous. <laughs> Double raucous. <laughs> it's going to be r- 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 raucous. <laughs> Bring the raucous. Anyway, so definitely pray for us that we get over there safely. Uh, we're looking, a lot of people are very excited uh, to see some interesting Carve Fide merch. And also, we're just super excited to meet a lot of super fun people. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah, that's that's it. I guess with that, I'd just like to encourage you. To see, <laughs> that's a, I, I did that wrong. That's my fault. What? That's my fault. <laughs> what? That's my fault. <laughs> what just happened? I'm so confused. With that, we'd like to encourage you to <laughs> seize the faith. faith.